Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. I just pray you would encourage us, Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was up on the mountain praying as he normally would. And, and it says here in verse 1, Now it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. And, and I just want to stop here and, and say that Jesus modeled his life in relationship with the Father before the disciples. And it's interesting that the disciples didn't say, Lord, can you teach us to heal people? Or Lord, can you show us how to cast out demons? That looks pretty cool. Or Lord, can you help me with my oratory, Lord? I, I really want to, you know... I want to see how I can kind of craft my sermons a little bit better, you know, when you send me into the villages. But no, they watched his life and they saw that he continually tapped into a life source. They saw that he regularly would just be kind of sneaking away up to the mountain. That he regularly, they wake up in the morning, they say, where's Jesus? He's off praying. Why? Because he regularly tapped in to the life source. And, and in case you missed, uh, I, I was, uh, I think it was maybe two uh, Wednesdays ago, uh, I really felt like the Lord gave me a metaphor for, for the engine of prayer. And, and, it, and it's really, it's the, my pool pump, which has been a headache. But uh, it, it cleans out the, the debris and it brings in the, the good stuff. And, and I, I, I just feel like God wants us to see that we've got to be persistent in prayer. Say persistent. We've got to get after it, whether we feel like it or not sometimes. Amen? All right, I'm preaching to me. So Jesus said, here's how you pray. When you pray, I want you to say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now here's where I want to kind of zero in. In verse 5, he said to them, which of you, now, and I want to, this is not a different sermon. This is in the context of prayer, amen? He said, listen guys, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midday and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will, and he will answer him from within and say, Don't trouble me, the door is not shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now, I want to just, and I want to go to a couple other parables, but I want to just show, notice that the answer here initially was no. So Jesus starts off by saying, listen, when you start to pray, you're not always going to feel like you're breaking through and getting what you need. 
It's going to feel sometimes like no. It's going to feel sometimes like, what am I doing here? Why am I bothering this person in the middle of the night? This isn't going to work. He's not going to help me right now. This isn't an inconvenient uh, time. So very obvious, and, and why? why is this for us today? Because we live in a time of instant feedback, instant gratification. And if we're not getting results, we feel like things are not working. But God says, listen, just because you're not seeing results immediately, it doesn't mean that it's not working. I want you to keep after it, and I want you to persist in your requests, and I want you to persist in prayer. So notice his initial response was no. And then he said, I say to you, though, he will not rise, verse 8, and give to him because he is his friend. Yet, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So what's the lesson here? This man had a genuine need. He couldn't hop in the car and drive over to Hannaford and pick up a few things and put it on the credit card. Their food was fresh back then. It was an embarrassment to have a visitor come to the home and not have anything to set before him. He would have been breaking the laws of hospitality. So he had a genuine need. Say need for me. He went next door to a friend of his, and he said, listen, you and I are friends. We have relationships. Say relationship. He had a genuine relationship with his neighbor to the point where he felt comfortable knocking on his door in the middle of the night. He knew this guy. But it wasn't his need or his relationship that got him an answer to prayer. It was his persistence that got him his answer to his prayer. And you say, but wait a minute. God is my father. Jesus started the parable by saying, listen, guys, you're not praying to a stranger. You're not even praying to a neighbor. You are praying to your very own father. But notice Jesus doesn't say, listen, because God is my father, he's going to answer that prayer. Notice Jesus didn't say, listen, guys, now that you've come into the kingdom, I want to bring you to my father and your father, your God and my God. He doesn't say, listen, he's your God, guys. He's going to answer your prayer. He said, no, he's going to answer your prayer when you show him faith and persistence. God wants to see that you're going to come to him again and again and again and that you're not going to give up. See, our relationship with God, well, let me back up. Our need is what brings us to God. Our relationship with God is what opens the door. But our persistence is what gives us the, what we need. Say amen. You say, well, God, I don't, I don't just don't agree with that. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just the discourageable type. When I don't get something immediately, I just give up too easy. Well, that's why you're here today. Because God says, I want to give you a backbone, and I am interested in building endurance in my people. I want you to become perfect just like I'm perfect. And God defines perfection in James chapter 1 when we can learn to count it all joy when we encounter various trials and tribulations because we know that the testing of our faith is producing endurance and that that endurance is going to have its perfect work in us so that we can be complete and lacking nothing. 
God wants us to come to the place, and I know I'm, we're, we're all dressed up and I'm standing in front of a pulpit, and this might seem really easy now with the help of the Holy Spirit, but I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to help us on Tuesday afternoon, that he wants to help us in the middle of the night when we're facing a crisis, that he wants to help us in that situation where we seem hopeless. God wants to help us not just in church, but outside of the four walls, and he wants us to walk into a trial, walk up and face a confrontation and not say, I can't handle this. I have a track record of not being able to handle things. I, I, I can't. God says, you can handle it. Because I'm with you. And I want you to count it all joy. The perfection is to the place where we can look at problems and we can count on God's provision. God, I don't know how you're going to handle this situation, but I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to keep praying about it. I'm going to bring it before you. And I know that this is going to work out and that you're going to bring the result, Father, because I trust you and because you are God. So Jesus said, I want you to learn to be persistent. I want you to cry out day and night, night and day. Not like Frank Sinatra, no. No, he said, I want you to have a vigilance. I want you to keep after it because I want your faith to be developed and I want you to believe that I am a God who has an answer for you. And I, I, I'd say, if you leave, I feel like God is saying, he has an answer. When Elijah in the, in the Old Covenant, it was a very dark time in the nation of Israel. And sin abounded. And there was generation after generation of evil kings. And the Bible said that Ahab came on the scene and that Ahab was more evil than all of his fathers before him. Things were not looking good. He married Jezebel, daughter of a Sidonian king who was leader of Baal worship. And she brought that right into the kingdom. And the people were practicing Baal worship. She was murdering prophets. Unrighteousness prevailed. But God had an answer. Do you know what that answer's name was? Elijah. And for everything the devil's doing in our lives, God has an answer. Herod was ruling in Rome. God had an answer, John the Baptist. Pharaoh was ruling and had the people in bondage. God had an answer. His name was Moses. Nebuchadnezzar was ruling and taking over. God had an answer. His name was Daniel. God has an answer for everything the devil is doing. Haman was ready to wipe out the nation of Israel. God had an answer. Her name was Esther. Come on, say amen. God has an answer. When the devil himself, the God of this world, is ruling and reigning in the last days, the Bible says, God had an answer. Jesus, the Messiah. 
God raised up Elijah. He raised up Moses. He raised up Esther. He raised up David for Goliath. He raised up Daniel for Nebuchadnezzar. He raised up the Apostle Paul for the Roman Empire. But in these last days, God raised up his son and he seated him at his own right hand. And the Bible says that with him at his right hand that he is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And God's answer for the end times, the times that we're living in, the troubles that we're having here on the earth, is his church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. My church is moving, it's mobile, it is full of me, and it is a church that prays and gets answers. It's a church that has the answer to the things and the problems that are going on in the world today. He said whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you authority in prayer. And I want you to come, and I want you to be persistent in prayer. Call upon me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things. God has an answer. In each of our lives, you know, I was thinking recently... had a co-worker who was locked out of his house recently. It was the middle of the summer, and they had just moved into a new house. And they, they went into the garage, and they hit the button, and they, they shut the garage door. And the door to the kitchen was locked. They didn't have the key. I believe the car was locked. There was another detail that I might be forgetting, and they were sweating. And all of a sudden, he grabbed a metal pole, and he literally started breaking into the drywall because nobody had a key to get into that house. And I mean, it's important to have access. It's important to have the ability to open the door. And each of us, for each of us, God had someone in our lives that had access God uh, put someone in our lives that had authority, someone that could show us the way, someone that could bind something up in our life, someone that could lose something in our life. I remember the first time I came to church, um, I said, listen, you know, Pastor, I, uh, can I come over? You know, I, I went to, uh, I've been to the, the Teen Challenge, and, um, you know, we were praying to, re- I, I, was, I wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, and, uh, you know, I had a list of problems. I said, I got this problem, and I got this problem, and I got this problem. They said, okay, well, you know, why don't we, the Holy Spirit's important, and we have faith for that, hallelujah. (laughs) And we believe that God can fill you with his Holy Spirit. We believe that when we pray in faith, okay, see, they had the keys, you see. Jesus gave them the keys. He gave them the authority to pray with me so that I could receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, God uses people. Amen. He said, I'm going to send you out. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against my church. Really, the gates of hell means the power of darkness is not going to prevail with people that Jesus has called to help other people in his name. So they prayed with me, and I remember just sitting there and God's spirit filling my heart, and I just began to pray in the spirit, and oh, what a glorious day that was. And that discouragement was broken. Because somebody wouldn't quit. Then it's, oh gosh, you know, this, you know, you're right. This is bad, man. You know, How many times did you pray and it didn't work? Oh gosh, well, how do we know it's going to work this time? They said, no, we have faith. We believe in that whole, we believe in Jesus. 
that he answers prayer. Say amen. amen. So Elijah comes on the scene while Jezebel and Ahab are having their way. And how many know that Elijah said, there's going to be a showdown. You call upon Baal, and I'll call upon God, and we're going to see which God answers. Because we don't serve a God that's silent. We serve a God that answers prayer. And all those 450 prophets came up there and they were chanting and they were cutting themselves and they were going through their rituals and there was no answer. And Elijah even mocked him. He says, is Baal sleeping? And I just really feel like God wants to stress the fact that he is a God that answers prayer. God is not silent. When we call upon him, he answers us. Elijah heard the voice of God. And the Bible says that God answered by fire. And in these last days, God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. As we cry out to God, his end time church, his people, as we cry out to God, the Bible says that he is in the process now. We are living in the time where God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And, he, and sons and daughters are prophesying. They're being filled with the spirit. Signs and wonders are following. God is moving by his spirit moving in all the earth. So Elijah, and Elijah didn't call fire down upon the altar. God answered. Elijah was a man of God. And how many know that the book of James tells us he was a man with a nature like ours who prayed and that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we pray, things happen. When we pray, it works. Amen. So after he won that great victory on that day, the Bible says that Jezebel sent him a threat. And she said, if by tomorrow you're not dead, so be to me. And he ran for his life. And he was hiding under a broom tree. And he was discouraged. And he walked 40 days. He walked from Beersheba all the way to the mountain of God. Literally, Mount Horeb, but it's Mount Sinai. And he was so discouraged. And God told him, listen, go stand on the edge there. And God came through and he wiped out a piece of that mountain in the wind. And then God shook the earth with an earthquake. But the Bible says he wasn't in the destruction and he wasn't in the quake. But there was a still small voice that came to Elijah. And God speaks to us by the still small voice when we're discouraged when we're ready to give up, if we will just continue to call upon God, if we will just make the journey. Elijah had to travel for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't believe we have to travel for 40 days and 40 nights, but I believe we have to just pursue God. We have to say, God, I know you're with me. God, I know you're hear me. God, I know that you see what I'm going through and that you know that I need you and that I need an answer to what's happening right now. And God's going to speak to us by the still small voice. And the Bible says that he gave him instructions on what to do with the rest of his life. You know, we need that today. We need to hear God by the still small voice to lead us one step at a time because we are his sheep and the Bible says his sheep hear his voice. But we have to be persistent. Say persistent. We can't quit. Say don't quit. Go with me to Luke chapter 18. 
Luke 18, then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Notice Jesus didn't say sometimes we should pray. Always we should pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, Paul told us in Ephesians 6. And then he tells us a story. There was a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, excuse me, no regard man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, say for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I don't fear God or regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual Coming, she weary me. And then Jesus said, hear what the judge said. Excuse me, hear what the unjust judge said. And can I just tell you, God is just. God is righteous. And when we need justice in our lives, God hears And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? We demonstrate our faith to God by crying out to him day and night. We demonstrate our faith to God by continually Coming. Notice that she came continually to him, day and night. We demonstrate our faith in God by not losing heart. By not becoming discouraged. Jesus appreciates persistence. You know, it's people that don't quit that get attention and accolade in this life. God wants to make us finishers. God wants to stretch us sometimes. Say stretch. I can't stand stretching. I was involved in athletics for years. The thing I hated most was the stretching. I didn't like it. You know why? Because it took time and it made my flesh uncomfortable. So I avoided it at all costs. But the reward is tremendous. We were, uh, the other day, uh, on the 4th of July, we were sitting and, and talking about Joey Chestnut. How many know Joey Chestnut ate the most hot dogs again this year? Every year he wins it. It's no surprise. I don't even watch it. I can't watch it. But we were, we were sitting at lunch, and Pastor Ned reminded, reminded us. He said, you know, those guys train by stretching their stomachs. He said, they, they'll eat 20 hot dogs on... Um, I don't know how many hot dogs they eat beforehand, but they, they practice by stretching their stomachs. And they, they'll eat a lot of food. They'll drink, is it milk that they'll drink, Pastor, or water? They'll drink gallons of milk to stretch their stomachs. Why? Because when the game is really on, we've got to be able to handle it. We've got to be able to stretch. We've got to be able to, in that moment, call upon God in the greatest hour of our need. On the same day, I was struggling with a 
with a physical injury. I, uh, years ago, I broke my ankle, and for whatever reason, uh, I don't know if it's the barometric pressure, but I, I woke up, and I, I've been really hurt. And um, jo- my brother-in-law, is, Josh, is a, br- a process orthocist, and, and I said, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this issue. I said, come on, di- diagnose me. How, how am I going to fix this? He says, you got to stretch. I said, I don't want to stretch. Give me a pill. Give me a brace. Give me an easy fix. I don't want to stretch. Stretching is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Come on, say amen. I'm preaching to me today. Sometimes when we pray, we don't feel it. We were, I'll give you one more example. We were in the batting cage, and I was throwing some, some batting practice to, to my son, and he said, and he was really hitting the ball. I mean, just he was on it, just crushing it. And he said, man, I feel good today. I feel strong today. And it was about 100 degrees there. It was humid. No game. But you see, he's been working out. He's been, he's been taking aside time for the past several months. And he's been just setting aside time and, wor- and working out, str- uh, stretching, uh, running, lifting weights. And listen, and I told him, it showed up. It showed up. He said, what are you talking about? I said, all the work that you put in, into work, it showed up when you least expected it. And that's how it works, you see. When we pray, when we fill our tank with God, when we fill ourselves with God, when we're continually before him, calling upon him, seeking him, in the moment, sometimes when we least expect it, God shows up. Why? Because we have been sowing to the Spirit, and we can't sow to the Spirit without reaping the results from the Spirit, which is life eternal. Amen? Amen. Abraham, the Bible says, through faith and endurance, inherited the promises. Jesus appreciates persistence. Let's go to one more scripture maybe here. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. In verse 23. Excuse me, verse 21. And then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Now, how would you like... To come to God, now let me know, this is a parable, this is a comparison here, there's a metaphor involved, and God not even answer you. So the first thing she got from Jesus was nothing. He ignored her. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He told her, listen, here's response number two. Listen, I'm not supposed to be answering your prayer. God sent me to Israel. You're a Canaanite woman. So answer number two is, the answer's not for you, honey. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. His third response was he called her a dog. 
How would you like God to call you a dog? Listen, you're a little dog. This isn't for you. But her daughter was oppressed, and she wasn't about to give up because she knew that Jesus was a healer, and she knew that Jesus had the power to heal, and she knew that Jesus was a righteous man that was going around the earth healing and doing good and that God was with him. So she didn't quit. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed in that same hour. I mean, Jesus appreciates persistence. Her faith here was defined by her unwillingness to quit. The blind man, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, would continually cry out to Jesus. They said, Lord, send him away. We, we, he, he's hollering. We can't take it anymore. And Jesus said, call him to me. I'm going to heal him today. You know the other examples. The woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she had to press through the crowd to get to Jesus. And it's very interesting. In the Gospels, Jesus doesn't attribute his power or answer to prayer to his own deity. He attributes the answer to their faith and their ability to come and to keep coming and not to quit and to have faith in him that he'll answer prayer. I hope that builds faith today, amen? Let's go back to Elijah in closing. After the heavens were shut up for three years, Elijah called for a showdown between the prophets of Baal and the God of Israel. And he told Ahab, he says, listen, I want you to go. You can eat and drink now. Rain is coming. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And it's coming. It wasn't a cloud in the sky. It wasn't a cloud in the sky. The people of God had repented and turned to God. There's an open door now for God's blessing to come. Wasn't a cloud in the sky. He had the promise of God in Deuteronomy that when God's ways, that when the people's ways are pleasing to God, that he will send rain upon the land. He had the promise of God. He had the word of God to back him up. Wasn't a cloud in the sky. Didn't see any results. But the Bible says that Elijah came and he put his head between his legs and that he bowed down and he worshiped the God of Israel. And he told his servant, he said, I want you to go out and look. I don't see anything. Go again. I don't see anything. Go look again. There's not a cloud in the sky. Go look again. And I hear God in that saying, go look again. Go look again. Don't, don't stop praying. Keep Keep worshiping God. Keep calling upon him. Keep bringing his promise before him. And go look again because you're going to see the rain coming in Jesus' name. How many know on that seventh time there was a cloud the size of a man's hand? Say, God, I thought we were going to have the torrents here. It hasn't rained in three years. Despise not small beginnings. The clouds are coming. 
and there is going to be an abundance of rain. And there is going to be answer to prayer when we call upon God and show him persistence in prayer. Somebody say amen. In closing, let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. Paul's departing Ephesus. He's going to Jerusalem and he knows that he's going to Jerusalem probably for the end of his life and his walk with God. And he said, I kept nothing back that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught it to you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, no, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying, the chains, excuse me, that chains and tribulations await me. So he says, I know I'm going to Jerusalem, and I know that there's going to be trouble and that there's going to be persecution. Verse 24, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. How many know that's inspiring? How many know that's somebody that we might want to pattern our lives after? He gave it all. But he said, listen, Timothy, I want you to follow me as I follow the Lord. So we're not going to worship Paul. He was following Jesus who gave it all for us. And Paul gave it all so that people could be saved and receive Christ. But it meant persecutions. But in the midst of that, he says, listen, I'm going to persist through this. I'm not going to give up. I've got to go to Jerusalem. I know there's going to be trouble. I know I'm going to probably be beaten, chains, imprisoned. But this doesn't move me. I'm going to keep going. And I just saw that I don't think that that happened. This was toward the end of his life in ministry. I don't think that happened on day one. I don't know that in Iconium, the first time he was beaten with rods, that he was able to say, I'm ready to go. There was a process involved, one step at a time, because in 2 Corinthians, the Bible tells us that he despaired even to life. He said, we were ready to give up. We had lost all hope. The Bible says he was out in the Adriatic Sea, in the middle of the ocean, and that they had given up hope, and that an angel appeared to him. So God took him through a process where he strengthened him and he taught him to call upon God in every situation and he got stronger and he got stronger and he got stronger. His persistence got stronger. His resolve got stronger to the point where he said, I am somebody that's going to finish this race. I am somebody that's not going to fear death. I'm going to be someone that is going to finish and go with God all the way to the end. But this was toward the end. And if you feel today like you don't have what it takes, you don't. But God does. And he wants to take you one step at a time. And he wants to build endurance. Every time you call upon him, he's building in your life. Jesus said, I'm building my church. I'm building in you. I'm building strength in you. I'm building endurance in you. I'm teaching you to trust me to rely upon me every time you're willing 
to not trust in yourself, but to persist and to call upon me. I'm building in you. I'm building in you. And at the end of our lives, I believe we're going to be able to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, I finished the race with joy. I was willing, Lord. I have trust in you. I made it to the end because of the ropes course that I went through. I didn't quit. I kept calling upon the Lord. And that's our prayer today. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would build endurance in us, Lord, that you would teach us and help us to continually, day and night, call upon you, Lord. Help us, Lord, when we feel like quitting, to persist in prayer. Help us, Lord, when we don't feel it, to persist in prayer. Help us, Lord, when we don't see it, to believe that there's an answer coming. Lord, I pray that you'd stir faith in our hearts, Lord, and that we would call upon you, Lord, knowing that you are the God that answers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.